to the 50th episode of For the Record, our bi-weekly show in which we take one recently released album and take a deep dive into it. You can listen to us every other Thursday at 9.30am on BFF.fm or subscribe to the podcast at ForTheRecordPodcast.com. This week we're talking about Away, the new record from one of my favorite bands, Ockerville River, which starts out with a song ominously entitled, Ockerville River R.I.P. by saying that we can't do any of these songs justice on the podcast because they're all between four and a half and seven and a half minutes long. There are nine tracks on a record that's almost an hour long and they all go through various movements and they're all very complicated. So you should just go out and buy this record and listen to it a hundred times in a row. That's just to set it up. Yes, listen to it a hundred times. <laughs> no, it, it is, yeah, it's it's not a, a once and done kind of album for sure. And this is, as I mentioned, one of my all-time favorite bands. They've been making music since 1998. And this record is really a departure. There have been various members of the band that rotated through over the years, but it's always Will Chef and his vision at the center of it. He's the singer and songwriter. And this record happened because he had some of the members depart. The last incarnation of Arkerville River, the members kind of went their separate ways and he wasn't really sure what he was going to do next. And so he just kind of went off into this cabin in the Catskills and wrote these songs on sort of a stream of consciousness feeling. And lots of mushrooms. (laughs) And this is based on an interview that was on NPR the other day. He wasn't even really sure if it was going to be an Ockerville River record. And he got some new musicians who are not rock musicians. And, you know, you'll notice, and we talked about this before the podcast, a lot of the lyrics are very kind of impressionistic and it's there's not a clear narrative. And I think that is intentional. And he has mentioned in another interview that I read that he went from, you know, uh, Ockerville River songs were often very kind of literary and complex and created these characters that were very interesting and told a story. And he intentionally wanted to do a departure from that. 
and write some music that was more felt like it was coming from the heart and was nurturing to listen to. And so that's where he's coming from in this record. Yeah, but even so, I think that he's able to, you know, these albums certainly are, excuse me, these songs really stretch out, but there still are these kind of vivid imagery that feels very specific. And, you know, just in this first song, and it's Octaville River RIP, the section we heard obviously about these sort of various musicians dying. But then, you know, he has kind of these snapshots before that where he's talking about maybe being in a pretty bad place where he's kind of a mess and doing some not so good drugs and being kind of not holding it together. He's throwing up a place for being a mess. And then it ends with him, you know, being at some skating rink and there's just some cover band and it's very inspiring to be that, you know, I can, I know that this band is going to end Ockerville river RIP and all these other bands ended. And sometimes with fame, sometimes in complete anonymity, but I can still be happy about just some kids getting together and playing at the rink and the specificity of like seeing the kids skating. And then just like, Oh, the, the lineup of the band, a chick singer with the keyboard. Yeah. And, and he said in an interview that it was that same NPR interview that he realized in the process of writing this record that music is like the, the main thing in his life that went from sort of a fun thing he did to being able to support himself with it. And now it's like something that's at the core of who he is as a person. And so trying writing this album from the spirit of trying to honor that. And it's also it's written around the time that right after his grandfather died and his grandfather had been a jazz trumpeter who was in the Navy and was really his personal hero and the person that he really felt guided him in his career. And so there's a song we'll play later where comes Indiana through the smoke where they're actually playing his trumpet, which is pretty cool. Anyway, the next song that we'll play is called Call Yourself Renee. You live in a hotel, you wait for a phone call, you wait for an email, you look out the window at a tree waited down with snow. You worry about your mother, you watch a couple movies you take taken out of van, you walk down a rapid city street alone And at night there's a pink cast underneath a blank grey cloud Head well that's something pretty to look at in the sky And I don't know why so-and-so is taking so much time To breathe something new into my life There's a tip-tap on the window That could be fate's pale face looking in Energy could be in the trembling hands of a tree Or could be light or could be nothing at all Out in the night The world was right against our skin And it was wide open Yeah, the album takes such a crazy shift in gears here, where I feel like the first song is a pretty traditional kind of vaguely countryish rock song with then some kind of organ and it just feels very retro but very rock and roll and then this song is 
violins and then super jazzy with like bells and flute i have to say on first listen i was on my commute and kind of just you know i need to have something that's really aggressive to get my attention and my first listen through i'm just like ah stop being boring and that was and now i look at myself and i'm crazy because it's not boring but it is very mellow and maybe that's the right tone because you know he's contemplating sort of his own mortality and that's kind of a through line through most of these songs and there's a line i, th- I guess not in the song is this one or the first one where he's like i'm not here just to complain i'm and he's really trying to come to terms with it in a pr- constructive way well and i you know he said in an interview that it that he recorded all i think they recorded something like 25 songs or something and then picked these for the record and he it wasn't until listening back to them where he's like oh all these songs I'm like singing about death and it sounded kind of depressing and he said that wasn't my intention it's about sort of letting go of things in your life and how that can be freeing and be like a rebirth and for example with his band this gave him a chance to sort of start over and rethink his approach to music and how that is exciting and I think that's captured in this song Call Me Renee which is sort of about you know waiting around and kind of not really having anything going on in your life and then taking the opportunity to just kind of like disappear and start over and we don't really know where that person is yeah you have a new name a new identity and just remake yourself and what's crazy here is that he's willing to you know he accepts hey there's energy and maybe it's in nature or just the light or it could be nothing and that's just that's an okay option too and yeah, I like that there's no nothing overtly religious here, but there are these references to like the sky man in Front Man in Heaven, and then there's a, another song that mentions the unseen architect, and then in this song it's waiting for so-and-so to make, make a change in my life or something. Yeah, and so certainly, you know, I, and you know, we'll try not to read too much into it, because, you know, is this based on a real thing that happened, and mm-hmm. was this a case where someone left, he lost someone from his life, and now there's someone new who's not filling the same hole for him you know you know again suggestive lyrics that don't have not everything has to be nailed down and usually i get a little cranky and this time it really works and you know that entire thing that this is one of your favorite bands not a band that i had that same connection to and for sure this music i'm glad that we kind of had i had to listen to it enough to kind of get over that initial like oh why is this so mellow so thank you but i mean the orchestration is so lush and beautiful and the songs are so patient that you really do have to sit with them and listen to them on headphones and really kind of it takes time to appreciate them and i think that was the intent yes and which is you know good it's not there there he's dealing with heavy stuff here it's not just a fun album but i think there is at least room for a little bit of levity and i think to the extent that there is it's on this next track it's called the industry Something so big and abstract that I can't tell what it is. All they're grinding on some poor girl who is backstage at the 6.8 rock fest. I 
we debated about whether to talk about this song when we were planning the podcast because I felt like it didn't really fit with the theme. But upon retrospect, I think it does because it's really about it's about the music industry, but it's about kind of leaving behind what the music industry meant to you and also what you wanted out of it as far as like rock stardom or whatever. And this this song is more about kind of like, well, this isn't what we got, but maybe it wasn't what we wanted. Yeah, and I think it's almost flows naturally. Sounds totally different from Call Yourself Renee, but has that same notion of just like, well, I'm going to drop everything and remake myself. And this idea like, hey, we're 20 years in, but I can still think back to 96 and what music meant to me then. And maybe I can still feel that. And, you know, I think obviously musicians whining about how tough the musical industry is not always the best song topic, but I think there's so much self-awareness here that takes the edge off and sort of talking about how like, oh, we somehow ended up wanting to be the beautiful people and bum rush the VIP and sort of like the VIP of life is such a great, like talking about sort of stuff at music festivals, like, oh, you're grinding on some girl at this music festival and oh, we're bum rushing the VIP, but really they're talking about their sort of approach to life as if it's, you know, the industry is the life and especially when you're a full-time musician. <laughs> And I love, and it's funny too, and I love the line, you know, while you're out there grinding on some poor girl who's backstage at the 6.8 Rock Fest. And I did not, someone else pointed this out, but 6.8, this is a reference to the Pitchfork Festival because their last album, the Silver Gymnasium, got a 6.8 rating, which I thought was very funny. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, there's little bits of cleverness, but I think mostly that's, I like that this is a pretty concrete, not super abstract and not too clever by half at all. And to talk about the industry where, you know, in the interview saying like he was worried about that. And I think, no, this is really understated and self-deprecating and really, really charming. And it's I like the sentiment from somebody who's extremely talented. And this is a band that's made like multiple critically acclaimed albums. They're very talented. I mean, Black Sheep Boy was probably the best album to be released that year in 2005, I think. And no. Well, a Slater Kinney album came out that year. <laughs> So right off the bat, sorry. Okay, anyway, <laughs> who's really talented and writes songs that are, I think, very uh, appropriate for a mass audience. Like every song on the stage names is, you know, one that you can sing along with and is great to hear at a festival. And yet somehow it's never really attained the kind of recognition that even, you know, the crappy pop music of today gets. And and so it's it's got to be kind of frustrating to be that person who knows that you have talent and has been doing this for 20 years, but then also somebody who can just kind of like let it go and be like this, the music is really important to me and I'm going to make what I think is good as an artist. And that yeah. is kind of what he's doing with this record. Yeah. And thank goodness there is this moment of levity because things get really serious again in this next track, which is called comes Indiana through the smoke. But you were bigger than life You were giant You were earth-sized And now you're mostly just your mind And your dim eyes And your fractured spine And sailing to the great unknown But you gotta go alone there You can't even take your childhood bride but it's okay And she's crying With her OS to you fleet 
anti-aircraft battery. She is occupied by 1,800 souls. Comes Indiana through the appreciated this song's juxtaposition of this really fairly intense and universal truths of saying goodbye to someone who's dying and just he's trapped in his mind because his spine is broken and you know he might have stayed with his wife since they were married at an early age but it doesn't matter like he's going to die without her and go alone into the unknown and then contrasted with that pre-chorus which is all about the very specific specifications of a warship with its what kind of planes did it have and how many people were on it to man the battle the the anti-aircraft battery i mean i have to assume so the song in case you couldn't tell just from the snippet we played is about sitting with his grandpa when he was dying in hospice and he's imagining the battleship indiana that he served on during world war ii coming to take him off into the afterlife and i know that will sheffa said that he was his grandfather asked him to dictate or to edit his memoirs. And so I think he was maybe helping him with some of that or going over the last details or whatever. And so maybe that was some of the things that they were talking about was, you know, the details of his service in the war and what the ship was like. And yeah, but this, this idea that he's like, he's leaning in to hear the last words. Mm -hmm. He's like, she's trying to get every last bit of information from his grandpa before the end. And it's, really heartbreaking and so sweet and i don't know what else to say other than yeah it's perhaps to the standout song on the album yeah and it's such a beautiful song and as we mentioned his grandfather was a jazz trumpeter who was pretty well known and that's one of the musicians playing his trumpet on the song and it's just such a beautiful peaceful song and will chef has mentioned that his grandfather was the most important person in his life and this is just such a great tribute to him yeah. So after that, we go into the next track. It's called Judy on a Street. With your hair going gray, eyes like greenish macrame. Hey, the record goes like. She lets her long hair down 
commented on in part because there hasn't been that much to comment on is that while the instrumentation on this album is very lush i think a lot of the albums are pretty conventional in structure where it's just verse chorus verse chorus maybe a little bit of intro and outro whereas this song is just completely ripped apart structurally like there's not any sort of traditional verse chorus structure he just kind of sings this kind of talk singing and then the only chorus is just that one line just girl on the street that can be repeated one or two or two and a half times as necessary and then just weird instrumental interludes dropped in we, that section we heard had that kind of crazy arpeggio so made it challenging but also really interesting to listen to that it, it's not a pop song and i like the way that it's structured and unfortunately this was another one where i really wanted to just play the entire song but it starts out really spare instrumentation and then just each instrument is layered on and it becomes more and more lush and more and more emotionally intense and it's really is masterfully structured in that way yeah that it's yeah it's not verse chorus verse chorus it's not about alternation it's just about building and building and building and building to that kind of catharsis where you know he just watched his grandpa die and this again the sort of this is very impressionistic this notion of like okay i guess he's driving his grandpa's car around and just trying to work through his emotions and this sort of balancing the worldly and the divine and that sort of thinking like oh how does the minister feel who's out preaching but he also has a wife he goes home to and that sort of living in the world and trying to make sense of it all it's really moving and all of these, you know, that sort of emotion and all of these themes are brought together into what I think is the centerpiece of the record thematically. And it's the penultimate track and it's called Front Man in Heaven. Come and sit where I'm sitting, oh darling. Because now I understand that it wasn't you who held me back. There were forces beyond my control and maybe I held myself down All of that money, it gets so hard to stay yourself around But girl, give me just one little chance Well, show me some trust again I will sing you so far away up to a sparkling star
There are voices calling me from down the hallway There are voices that filter up through the silence And calm down says the sky man you're raving So all night another one where I just wish that we could play the whole song. It's almost eight minutes long and it, there's just so much there and the instrumentation is so beautiful and, you know, he brings back the trumpet and this piccolo and all of these beautiful little flourishes that really bring the song together. Yeah, and it's the it's another one where the intensity just builds where it's kind of this kind of back and forth, la la la, and then these stings of where he's suddenly just his voice becomes more strident and the instrumentation becomes really rich and then he comes back and then it's every time it just that intensity builds and there's more instrumentation but it never feels completely overworked although it does get close but i think that's appropriate for the song because he's like on i can read it mostly as sort of this cathartic like i'm coming to terms with and accepting that i'm gonna die and you know, you look at the cover of this album, which is beautiful, but it's also kind of this burnt forest and this idea of like, you know, I'm going to die, but then there's going to be new things will come in. And it, it's this, you know, cyclic nature and finding that enlightenment. And yet also there's a hint of madness to it where he's like the sky man says, you know, back off, you're raving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think you mentioned the cover and I think it is worth pointing out. The cover is this beautiful painting that was, I think from some years ago, but it's notable because throughout Ockerville River's whole history, all of the covers have been drawn by this artist named William Schaff. No relation to Will Schaff, just a coincidence, but it was a very distinctive style that you'll remember from the cover of Black Sheep Boy, where it's like this line drawing kind of um, woodcutty almost look. And this is just another way in which it's like a break from the past and kind of a new new vision for what the sound of Ockerville River is. Yeah, so we're coming to this from very different perspectives. I was not particularly familiar with this band. I'd heard some other stuff, but really coming in fresh and this being sort of the first time I've really had dived deep into their music. And, you know, I don't see it as that contrast, but I just see it as its own thing. And it's it's not really the kind of music that I would normally embrace, but it's just, I think, coming out of listening enough times to realize just it's so perfectly executed like the instrumentation the arrangement the production everything is super clean but still feels visceral and you can just feel the emotion tripping out there's no irony here and it's you know as a not quite my thing but it's he, he wins me over here with this album. It's quite something. Emotional, but without being kind of maudlin or, yeah. you know, it, it's just super honest and like self-aware and just a really beautiful record. And I know I said that Carseed Headrest record was my favorite of 2016 at the time, but I think this might be one of, you know, I'll have to do another waiting at the end of the year, but this is really a beautiful record. And no, I'm so glad we got a chance to talk about it. So we've been discussing Away, the eighth record by Ockerville River, and you've been listening to For the Record. We're going to go out with the last song, which is called Days Spent Floating in the Half Between. Thanks for listening.
got lost Down a dark red rural road Looked down two long lines To the place they both blurred out They took some time to reassemble my brain It would have been better to not have left New York City at all Days spent floating In the half between Days spent floating